Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. Go. Hello and welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Reagan, joined with John. How are we doing today, John? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. We've got a bit of a shorter episode today, but we're going to cover some big topics. One of them being, and this is the first that I've heard of it, roughing the pastor now being reviewable, and we've seen the NFL kind of cracking down, I feel like, on these calls. What do you think of that now being reviewable? Yeah, I think that's an interesting situation just because, you know, the pass interference call uh, was reviewable for a while before they, you know, did that first season and then took it out because of the situation that is that is happening, uh, similar to the one that's happening with the rough and the passer call. But it'll be interesting to see if, you know, people push that through or not. I think it's something that they just need to, you know, have better officiating on. I don't think every single call is roughing the passer. Uh, on the quarterback, maybe you need to adjust the rules a little bit to be a little more clear on what they were actually trying to accomplish, what they were trying to you know get through. But you know, if we make it reviewable, a that's going to slow down the game, which isn't something um, that anybody wants. I don't think even the ownership wants that. So that could be an issue of getting this through. And 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 b, if you're reviewing something, like you have to watch so many different angles on it to see, you know, and then it becomes really. Um, just a matter of opinion like it is anyway on the field because you'd have to decide if you know is this variable in there is that variable in there is this actually roughing the passer call which is just not something that's going to really change things i think there's still gonna be questionable calls if you do that or not so i think you just leave it be i think you just you know back down a little bit on this whole thing of you know roughing the passer this guy fell on the quarterback dropped his weight on him things like that but if there's signs that he put his arm out and tried to brace himself or try to do something to try to hinder himself from injuring the quarterback and he wasn't you know being malicious in any attempt that's something you got to kind of look for but that's also going to change from game to game because referees have a different interpretation of that roughing the passer legitimately should only be if you take two steps and just truck the quarterback or if you just flagrantly hop on top of him after the play is already done you know those are roughing the passer stuff but this whole thing of you know the quarterback's going down you're trying to sack him and you drop your body weight on him like i get you're trying to protect him but at the same time that opens up so many doors of possibilities of interesting calls that we've kind of come grown accustomed to this season so i think that needs to be kind of scrubbed from the rule i think it's and also if you know if you hit him in the head with the kind of a helmet uh head and neck area you can call that as well but this whole thing where guys are just trying to make a sack and they can legitimately not do anything to stop it and you're throwing the flag on them costing games changing the complexion of games making games closer than they need to be all these all these things are just going to be a problem i think it's way more wise just to you know scrub with the whole reviewing because reviewing is something we're trying to move away from and start going to a different rule to try to make this a little bit more clear uh, because it's pretty obvious um, when things like this happen if you just adjust a few things this it should never be a thing that sacks can be considered to pass uh, roughly the passer call because that just doesn't make sense so I feel like you know don't talk about having this to be reviewed because that's going to last a season and then that's going to be scrubbed and it's going to be saying okay that took too long that didn't bring any extra fruit out of it it's not actually that helpful we don't really need that and the rule might be adjusted a little bit so i don't see the point of that but i think there's definitely a point of just trying to you know finagle it around a little bit try to make it a little bit better because it's very frustrating to watch a great play get wiped out because of defense a player defensive lineman can't stop himself from falling i mean it's just physics you can't just stop that yeah, there have been some strange calls that you're just looking at. It. And even some of the commentators, like Chris Collinsworth the other day, was like really pretty upset about <laughs> one of the calls that they made. Uh, all right, let's talk about the draft order, which is also kind of strange. And we've talked about it a little bit. What's your breakdown of what's happening? Yeah, because Denver's losing a lot of games, 
Um, Seattle, I think, has the number two overall draft choice now at this point, um, which is kind of ridiculous. Now, obviously, they could lose it and, and all of that, but I find it fascinating what's happening with this draft order um, where we talked about it before where Seattle was even sitting, I think, like number three, but now they moved up even higher. Uh, they're not going to really get the number one pick, but having the number two pick and being at seven and six um, when the worst team have like one, two wins. I think two, 10 and one is the worst team in the National Football League. Having the next best team being, you know, sitting right there is kind of a weird situation. But I I think this this is going to shake up the NFL in a way where I think a lot less of these deals are going to be made. I think there's going to be less situations where teams are just unloading their draft choices onto uh, big deals, big um, opportunities, especially because, you know, you see what's going on now. I think people are going to be a little bit more, more wise about who they're trading for, when they're trading for them. Uh, and also looking at the um, the what would happen if they made these deals because the Rams I think made a big mistake in what they've done. Now it could turn around and be a little bit better, but I think they're I think it's one of the worst, but not quite the worst. I think Denver probably made the worst deal, um, and then the Saints getting Chris Olave, which could ended up being a good deal in the end. But they also uh, give the Eagles one of the best picks. So I think there's going to be less situations where first round draft choices are being shedded this well, like this often this early to get players to get opportunities i think that's going to be something that's less happening but i just think it's fascinating that the first and second round or the second um second overall pick is a team that should never be even in that question which gives them uh opportunities to have a number two overall pick and then if you scroll down uh, and on any of the networks that have you know in the draft order, you'll see that Seattle has another first-round pick already. So they got two first-round picks. Multiple teams do. Yeah, and they're one of the best teams. So it's it's. An I interesting feel like situation. they made out the best in that in that trade. Seattle, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. Because they're having a, a great season now. Geno Smith's doing pretty well, and to be where they're sitting in the draft order is pretty crazy. All right, talking about Seattle, they're playing tomorrow night, and they're playing the 49ers you wanted to break down why you think they're going to lose. And I would definitely agree with you, but what is your analysis been on those two teams playing tomorrow? Well, I think Seattle's going to lose for one reason. Uh, their fatal flaw is they cannot stop the run. And Chris McCaffrey has been, you know, just eating up every team that he's been playing and playing at a ridiculously high level. We saw Josh Jacobs run all over Seattle. We saw last week, Carolina, their running backs run all over Seattle um, we saw Kyler Murray run all over Seattle. We've seen it all throughout this entire year, the inability for Seattle to stop the run and and not be able to do anything there. I think, you know, cornerbacks uh, are concerned, linebackers are concerned, all the pass protection, all the roughing the passer, all of that, they, or um, pass defense, all that. They have that locked down. They're getting that from. But they legitimately cannot stop the run. If it gets going, it gets going, and it's impossible for this team to stop. That's why they've been losing a lot of the games that they have lost. It's just the inability to uh, plug the holes and make the plays that are necessary to stop the team that they are playing. We saw that even in, in Germany when they were playing the Tampa Buccaneers. So I think if you put Christian McCaffrey in there and you're letting him run loose and run wild, I, he's one of the best running backs in the National Football League at this point. And you're putting against a team that has one of the worst run defenses, uh, at least in my opinion. I don't know where they rank, but they're not playing well at all. Um, so I think that's going to kind of seal their fate a little bit. I think it's, it could even hurt. I don't. I think they'll make it to the playoffs, but once they're in there, I think it's going to be a really big struggle for them. And they're going to have to find a way to get some answers here and just stop it because this 49ers team has a great defense. I think they're going to harass Geno Smith all night long. Uh, but I still think they can move the ball downfield. I think Geno Smith has some a, a good line, good protection, and good wide receivers. I think that's not going to be that big a deal. But then you look at, you know, 
the ability for this team to pass rush and really get home with the quarterback. If you're the 49ers, I think that's going to be something you got to watch that front line, that uh, front seven on both sides of the ball. You know, how well the 49ers are able to get through. Are they able to rush him? Are they able to get him off balance a little bit? If you're Geno Smith, of course, him to uh, throw some interceptions. That's something you got to look out for. But then offensive, like I said, this 49ers team, I think, I think. If you asked me a couple weeks ago, would I say the Cowboys are the most complete team? I think it's the 49ers. I think they're the most complete team in the NFC. But I think they've got a lot of upside on, on the offensive side of the ball uh, with uh, George Kittle, Chris McCaffrey, um, Purdy, 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 I think I said that right, uh, which is Mr. Relevant, by the way, in the draft. That's why I'd never heard of him before. Um, and now I've even heard that he has a rib injury, so he's questionable to play. So San Francisco might be on its fourth string. Um, uh, quarterback which could be an interesting situation to watch out for uh if he's not able to play but and then brandon Ayuk, i think this def- this offense if they're healthy if they got their quarterback if they got all those pieces in place you know can rip things apart uh but if um if their quarterback is not able to play and he's not able to get started and he has to be sitting out because of the rib injury um, then we might be able to see Seattle be able to stop the run a little bit more because they won't be as worried about being ripped up in the secondary. Uh, but we'll have to see. But in my opinion, uh, you know, a healthy 49ers team at this point in the season with Chris McCaffrey ready to run about the worry about the run and the pass. Um, I think that's going to be a long night for them. And I think Chris McCaffrey is going to have a ton of fantasy points this week. And I think if you have him in your fantasy lineup for the playoffs or anything like that, you know, putting him in would be wise because I definitely think he's going to have a field day with the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, he's been crazy just watching him. And, yeah, I think that's another trade. that The Carolina Panthers, they did not do good in that trade. Um, they didn't do well in any of that trade won so that far. trade amazing. Yeah, it's true. All right, let's switch over to the NBA quickly. Um, we've talked about a lot the Celtics team, and they're having a pretty hot start so far this season. What do you think of their team so far and their chances? I think they need Robert Williams back <laughs> badly, their center. Um, I think they've got really good pieces obviously there's no question about it they've got a, one of the best rosters in all of um in all of the association the problem lies within when they get flustered a little bit uh they start moving away from what works they start playing hero ball they start trying to take all the responsibility on one person's shoulder as opposed to letting everyone shoulder the load which is when they get hot what i mean by that is they work really well when they do um dribble drive penetration kind of thing where they drive in and then kick back out and then pass around the arc to the open guy because Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, one of these guys, Blake Griffin, running into the paint immediately draws a double team, which then immediately opens up a guy on the perimeter. The guy, you know, runs back and other guys open because, you know, have to play help defense and then opens up an opportunity for an easy three um, for one of their sharpshooters. That's when they're at their best. We saw against the Clippers and we saw against the Lakers is in that third half against the Lakers and pretty much the entire first half against the Clippers, they weren't playing this type of basketball. They were playing the one pass. I'm going to do my business. I'm going to try to get to the rack. I'm going to try to get to the rim. I'm going to try to make the float. I'm going to try to do everything by myself. And it resulted in them only shooting like 41% from the field for like the first quarter and a half, maybe the first half. Um, so, you know, it's they weren't playing at the level that you would expect them to, and it was because they were missing on the passing plays, which then ended up hurting them. Um, but only in the Lakers game, when they, when they started to come back and call back, is when they started passing the ball around a little bit more, and that started to have a lot of success because they have shooters. They just have to have be open enough to make the shot. Not to say they can't hit the contested three, which they most definitely can, but that's when they're at their best, and that's when they're at their hottest and hardest to slow down. Defensively, though, the Lakers did it, and the Clippers did it. You drive inside on this team... They struggle inside the paint. Um, either they make a good block and it's called a foul, which 
you know, it's frustrating as a fan. Or they get inside and they are able to get to the free throw line or they're able to make the shot. They just kind of get inside and they, and you know, get hot from in there. When Williams is on the court uh, as their center, a lot of that goes away because of his height, because of his reach, and it's just overall defensibility and the presence down there in the paint, being able to guard any center that comes in there and his ability to jump up and knock down a three. You know, he can do a lot of damage. So once they get him back, I think that will slow down a little bit. But they get overpowered in the paint a lot, especially when you run it quick, when you're at fast break points or when you just, you know, line up and you just kind of charge them like LeBron James did a lot, I think, last night. Um, so they got to be careful of that. I think that's their biggest issue is they got to be a little bit more physical in the paint, try to make more blocks. And obviously they're overpowered and outsized a lot of times because those centers and those forwards are, are pretty big and they can definitely knock you over a little bit. Um, with anyone that they have. Uh, and I also think one of their strong points on their, on the defense side of the ball is their, uh, is their ability to, um, is their ability to, you know, force rebounds, have Blake Griffin in there, have Al Horford in there and knock the ball back to allow them to have an extra opportunity. But when that dries up and they lose the battle in the paint, things can start sliding pretty quickly. Uh, we saw a lot in the Lakers game where they weren't, weren't able to do enough to get the ball back. And, and, and um, Anthony Davis and LeBron James started to dominate and do everything that they wanted to do down that stretch right before the uh, overtime when the Celtics started to roar back. So I think this team is really, really good. I think once they get Williams back and they can get a center in there that can, you know, dominate and play because these, this, this team is very feisty. Um, they like to get dirty. They like to play very physical. I think that's where the fouls come from. Um, but sometimes it just kind of slows them down and they have an inability to get uh, stop inside the paint. So they're going to have to stop that. That's one of the areas that they're going to have to succeed in, in, in fixing. I also think um, when you look at it, they've got to stop making careless passes. Uh, we saw multiple situations where they just tried to lob the ball to the next guy when they were trying to pass a little little haphazard. It's all in, law, in the Lakers game and LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook all grabbed it and just decided to go dunking it on the other side of the court completely uncontested. So they've got to be more careful with you know how they're passing the ball. But overall, the best team in, in the NBA, uh, I think in a lot of ways that has to do with who they're able to put together in a lineup. This team kind of feels a little bit like a super team. Um, but yeah, the, overall, they've got good defense. They've just got to do a little bit better in the paint. But I think it's going to be, you know, the season's long, a lot of time to figure things out. We're still only like less than 30 games into a 90-game season. So we have over 60 games left to, to play through. So plenty of basketball left to be played. But that's kind of my take on over the Celtics over the last few week, uh, games and some things to be watching out for if you're a Celtics fan. But even if you're not, the ways your team can beat them. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode, a shorter one like we said at the beginning, but we will be back on Friday with more news and if the 49ers did in fact defeat the Seahawks and some look forward to Sunday's games. All right, see you. See you. God bless.